Give it to me, Stu. Give it, give it, give it, give it to me. Give me, give me the mic. Give me the mic. Stu, just let him have it, man. Give me, the, him have give it. me the microphone, Stu. It's my turn now. I, I read I, that. I read that completely differently. Yeah, I saw your <laughs> face. I, I saw I David's face. <laughs> I was like, wow. Okay. It was until you said, job. until you said, Mike. We were like, where's, where's it going with this? Uh, oh. Stu, please, could you hand me the microphone? Of course, I will. I will give you the microphone, Tom. There you go. Because I am in charge now. <laughs> That's right, it's me, Tom Dale, the GM for The Reflect. Is The Reflect a game to be mastered? Well, we'll find out today. On my left, I am joined by the charming Ali Hill. Ali, introduce yourself. Ah, oh, hey man. I feel like I need to introduce myself in a charming manner, so... Please do. Hi everyone, how are you all doing today? Everyone good? Everyone happy? Uh, to my left, I'm going to introduce... The effervescent David Leavesley. Oh, Ali Hill, what a charming choice of word. Um, I would try and be effervescent, except I'm currently chugging a Sports Direct mug full of Lemstip, and I think that really says all you need to know about January the 13th, 2021. Um, I... Hello, everybody. I'm so excited for this, and now I get to introduce the one, the only, the man with the eyebrows the world wishes they could see, with hair for TV and a voice for radio, it's none other than Stuart Clark. Oh, thank you, David. Yes, it's it's. Hap- I'm happy. I'm happy to be at the bottom of this particular pile of podcasters. <laughs> Stu, that's my usual <laughs> slot after Ali and David. Do you consider that the bottom of of the pile? Numerically, yes. Okay, but well. but it's not that do you know what they say? Bottom, Tom, uh, you know what they say? In a way. <laughs> In a way, Tom, you are coming. the pillar. You are the pillar holding up everyone else. You know, you're that solid foundation. And that's that's the spot I shall... <laughs> David and I are mere garnishes. Boy. <laughs> Aren't I a lucky guy? of parsley. The, the cream <laughs> in this particularly white Oreo. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to The Reflect. The Reflect is a place where Stu, Ali, David and I um, take questions from our lovely listeners. So, cue the music for the start. separated listener questions into four categories. Are you ready to hear the categories? Oh my god, it's such trivial pursuit. Yeah, are we, the... are we getting points? This is... <laughs> oh, I hope we're getting points. Is this a winner? quiz? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, I will be allocating points, and by the end of part two, we will have a winner. And we will have a loser. Okay. <laughs> what's the prize? What's the prize and what's the wooden spoon? Does, does the loser get kicked off the podcast? Is that it? <laughs> we're going to let the listeners decide. And one of the options will be kicked off the podcast. Wow, <laughs> pressure. Oh, God. The other option will be taking Tom's place as the bottom. Right, the categories are general. These are general questions for us and about the podcast generally. Section two, in-game questions. These are questions that are like general questions, but specifically about the world of Formia. Then we've got the arc-specific questions, which is the arcs that have just come, Steam Eruption 
and Sky Attack. And finally, we've got the fun section, which is just some fun questions. Ooh! <laughs> just some fun questions for us to enjoy. David, would you like to pick a category? Ooh, um, I'm going to go with general, just because it's a nice setup, isn't it? General. Okay. Let's do this from Jerembi of the Discord. Jerembi asks, How has it been adjusting to recording virtually? Is there anything you miss about recording in person? Everything. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Can't wait so we can be back in a room together. Stu, what is it about in-person recording that you enjoy more than? I mean, I, I don't. I don't want to completely shinks on on virtual recording because it has provided some some good things. I do think that overall, when it clicks, the audio quality has been better. I think. I'm giving it a lot of qualifiers there, but I think listening back to uh, some of our earlier stuff when we, we really had no clue and we're recording in my kitchen, which is possibly the most echoey room invented. <laughs> when you attempted that here, we had to put you under a towel. Yeah, exactly. What does that say? We were all in there. But yeah, I do think we obviously miss that in-person firing, like just seeing people's faces in real time and making that instant connection from an improv perspective of just being able to see you and people's up, people's eyes are the windows of the soul, guys. And it's really... <laughs> oh, you went there. It's really hard he to, like... said it. I want to get your soul into into my eyes. And it's hard to do that over the internet, okay? But it is. Realistically, it is. Sometimes we've had people who are not on cam. Uh, I've not been on cam. That's awful. I've had my head stuck in a, in a wash basket full of foam for episodes we've done. And trying to just guess when someone stopped talking and, like work out whether you can jump in or whether the scene yeah. is over or not. Yeah. It's really hard think, when you're not together. I think that is the most difficult, like, fluid, natural conversation in a scene. I'll, this I, little peek behind the curtain, all of the next arc, I did not see the gang for. No, Ali was <laughs> a the entirety of the last disembodied arc. spectre. For the and added a layer of mystery to your performance, though, Ali, that I personally enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> The, I think the one true benefit of this is, as Stu was saying, is the fact that we do have a, an innate ability as a foursome to live in the opposite sides of London from each other. Um, and so it is quite nice not having to like get an hour and a half tube journey back home on like a, on a Wednesday night at like 11.30pm. That part, I think, for all of us is a boon. But it would also be nice to make eye contact. Because um, I think that also, it's as people who probably have recorded a podcast have realised, it's not just like being polite actors it's also like podcasts require clean audio feeds and like clean cues between people mm. i'm not even the one that edits it but it's like this is the this is the worst art form to be clumsy vocally um so it's like it's it's equally impressive it's additionally impressive that we managed to produce this show um when we're literally just like and a new character arrives oh no <laughs> i would echo what everyone else has said yeah i think the there's nothing worse than really giving it your all in like, a little monologue and then having everyone sort of be like what did you say there we just we just missed it we just i don't know if you did we get that and you having to sort of try and remember how great it was so if i say anything bad in these yeah, just exactly. know that i did say something good i then just had to repeat it and i just i just forgot all of all of our best lines lost to the annals of time <laughs> it's a the really ben, good the... podcast in the internet somewhere that you're not hearing <laughs> that you're not hearing out. <laughs> Thank you.
Right, do we want do we want to stick with general or do we wanna Um let's go for in-game. In-game. One that I'm gonna direct to David. David will have the answer. So it must hand. be about game design. This must be about Yeah, game design, <laughs> audio <laughs> editing, <laughs> so many things this could be about. No, this is this question is from our paladin extraordinaire Aurora, aka Trigula. And Aurora asks where does Nido King fall within the realm of the Church of Slaslo? David, I assume you have a pre-prepared answer from your law. I uh, I do. Yes. Um, you may think that uh, you may think that Dexit was bad in Galar, but actually, it's it's even worse in Formia. And they've actually just they've never had any of the Nido lines. <laughs> they've never never even seen them. Like, the Nidorian Express is just is just from someone's <laughs> imagination. Yeah. Oh yeah, someone's it's just some... created a Nidorino somebody, from somebody from a different country came along and went, guys. It's like to to Formians, the Nidorian Express is like seeing a like a dragon, but in the real world, like to us, what a dragon would look like as a train. <laughs> whilst whilst to whilst to the Pokemon world, a dragon train would just be a Tuesday. To us, that would be shocking. But to them, they're like, what is this Nidoran? Why do these Pokemon have weird symbols at the end of their names when Pokemon have genders? What's happening here? Like, what is this weird system that nobody understands? So that's um, that's famously why the church doesn't consider Nido kings or Nido queens. And also because the Nidos are gender binary and the church are outside of it. So they don't need to worry about it. Don't need to worry. Perfect. There's no... There's no Nido X. There's no Nidox. <laughs> Nidox. <laughs> Nido Regent, which would be the which would be the gender neutral version. I imagine. Love it. Love it. I think that's a great answer. And Stu, there you go. Don't include any Nidorans unless they're considered legendary. I suppose at this point. Yeah. No, we haven't. We haven't accidentally. We haven't featured encountered any. No. 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 Great. Good. No. Nope. Done. I'm pretty sure this is where someone will be. Uh, I believe in episode eight, uh, <laughs> Tom referred to one of the Beedrills as looking a lot like a Nidoran. I love you, listeners. Please do that if that's the case. Uh, <laughs> Good save, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect U-turn there, Tommy. <laughs> Listeners, please bombard Tom with all of your facts. <laughs> they don't have to be true. I wasn't built. I wasn't media trained. Sting him, um, listeners. He, Sting him like a Nidoran-themed beedrill. He can be found on at Brandy Buns. Give us another category. Was fun? Was fun a category? Fun is always fun a category. Was a category. <laughs> I feel like we should have like a jingle. Can we have a jingle? Like a... <laughs> yeah, go uh-huh. for it, Stu. Fun. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's this it. Question, that. This question will be fun. 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 Perfect. <laughs> uh, nothing. That sounds like the most fun jingle we could have come up with. <laughs> No need to workshop it, lads. That was perfect. I might put a haunting echo on it to just add to the fun. Fun, 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 fun. This is a fun question. Do an impression of each other's characters. This is from Paladin Ren. Thank you, Ren, for all your hard paladining. Ali, give us an impression of one of either Brandy or Theo. (sighs) That's it. There we go. That's good. 
David, Kenny or Brandy? I'll do Brandy. I'll just have to throw my mic to the other side of the room whilst I shriek. But, um... <laughs> yeah, here we go. Stu's peaking problem is about to get way worse. Oh, God. Um, can somebody say a really minor inconvenience that Brandy in this situation has been minorly peeved by? Oh, uh, I've just lost my pen lid. <laughs> Oh, you've lost your pen. Oh, you've lost your pen lid. I've lost. I've lost a nail. I've lost me. I've lost my purpose in life. Oh, God. oh, and you think that's bad? There's three other minor characters over here with stupid names that I'm going to introduce now. They're all going to have a chat about. Do we all want to? You want to experience all of their storylines now for the next twenty minutes? You think you've lost? You think you had a bad time? I think we are. We are. We have been robbed that David doesn't do a character voice. That's beautiful. I guess I'll do Kenny, which is. It wouldn't be Kenny without going, Hello, I'm Kenneth Mullet. All right, please put down the guillotina. That's my, that's my <laughs> Kenneth Mullet. I thought, to be honest, I thought you were going with guillotine. And I thought so it, was, I. it was a weird French Revolution fic where Kenny has come back in time <laughs> to save Marie Antoinette or something. I don't know. I mean, that's a fanfic I want to write. Um, uh, Stu, you can pick well, a character or combine three. all three into one. I mean, you've the gauntlet's been thrown, hasn't it? Uh, oh, you're all buttery. My word, there was. Oithobotomy. Oithobotomy. Yeah, there we go. Anyone well, want to do Phillips? <laughs> oh, baby. That's fine, I'm satisfied. I'm happy. I'm going to pick a category now, and I'm going to pick the category we haven't done, which is ARC. So this is a category about the previous ARC that we've just done. This question is from Tilda, the Poker Keeper. Tilda asks, Besides for emotional impact, did you allow for evolutions in this arc because it would give your characters more of a fighting chance in future to real burn on our current character strength? Because <laughs> we can't do anything otherwise. I don't sure. necessarily know if Stu had carte blanche to decide when people evolved. Really. I, did, I didn't. No, the, the evolutions in this arc in particular were very much dictated by what had happened in that scene. For sure. Mm. You look at Hillary Swadloon, what dictated that was the enormity of that victory and the fact that Swaddle had come from nowhere to do it and surprised Theo. Wimpy, that was a huge friendship evolution. I mean, to be honest, after I was going to jump in. After that decision... We couldn't not evolve Wimpy no, after that. It mm. was uh, it was perfect, and then and then the the mustache. I mean, Ali had been gunning for a, for a mustache <laughs> evolution. Let's be desperate. honest. Okay, yeah. To be so honest, the, if we look at it, if we look at it neutrally, the magic carp evolution <laughs> was, the, was the one where it was like Ali was rolling the dice. Ali, Ali, Ali was, was willing to die. Ali was, was taking to die a to magic. Ali, Ali was taking his mustache magic carp and shoving it through a, a gyarados shaped play doo tube to get that gyarados whoa, whoa, shape whoa, whoa, out whoa. the other side. To be, actually. We haven't accounted for all the XP Magikarp got from painting. I was going to say, I laid the foundations in episode one of Steam Eruption, saying how Kenny, you know, changed the goalpost, let's make it about art. I'm, I'm sorry that I didn't use Magikarp to fight Elisa's Gyarados. I'm sorry, all right? <laughs> None of the evolutions came in a, in a sense of, oh, I've got to power up these characters because, you know, it's not like in this system I plan encounters out where it's like, right, I will send three... Sand slash at the players in this episode, and I know that 
statistically speaking, that will be a challenging encounter for them. That's not really how this this system works. It's more about finding mm-hmm. those narrative moments to... I think the system is more, as we've said, narrative-based anyway. We're not really well, and thinking how we how we terms. defeat villains isn't necessarily via Pokemon battles, like Eliza, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, we've got we've got we've always got backdoor mind palace that we can always pull out. Backdoor just mind in palace case. and and backdoor church quiz. Don't forget church quiz. Oh, that was my favourite way to beat a villain. I think cheeky <laughs> church quiz at the end. Um, but I hope that answers your question, Tilda. So hopefully we'll. Basically, now we've got more evolved Pokemon, we might we might fight some yeah. different Pokemon. Don't get me wrong, I am glad we've got them. again does the second arc one why not nice second arc here we go this is one is for stew this is from one of our favorite live reactors millamoy millamoy has asked stew which npcs played a bigger role in the last two arcs than originally intended and vice versa so you know which which npcs did you have big plans for that didn't really get their moment to shine and which npcs did you throw in and you suddenly thought oh my goodness they're suddenly very big so one I'll try and do just one of one of each. One that I didn't know was going to have a big role that ended up having a big role was Enya, the little girl. And I think you can probably tell this because when Enya <laughs> is introduced, not only does Enya not have a name, Enya at first I think is little girl. I think Tom calls Enya at first like Karen or something. Like Heather. Heather, that was it. Yes, you just chuck out Heather and then we go, we don't like Heather. Heather sucks. So we renamed her within two Can I apologise to my auntie Heather? I'm sorry if you're a listener. <laughs> She's not, mate. But yeah, not only, not only did. What if my auntie Heather was Millamoy? Just FYI. What? Oh that my god! A twist. A twist. That would be a plot twist. Millamoy, if you're my auntie Heather, let me know. But yeah, not only did Enya not have a name, I, I think I think Tom actually introduced the idea of Enya as this cheer, this church fan cheering on Theo in the daycare fight. But then later, she became a much bigger part of the plot because I decided to reincorporate her as the the plant, the Nautilus spy, and had to kind of retroactively fit her in as someone who was only pretending to like the church because her parents had been embroiled in it and she was actually working as a Nautilus spy. What I enjoyed about that, Stu, is that I'd introduced a character to really support Theo and to have a genuine fan of Theo, which you then subverted immediately to say, that was all a lie. That was all a lie. She was <laughs> she, actually, she actually doesn't care about Theo and the church at all. It but then so I cool. would say that the relationship that Theo then went on to have with Enya became even stronger because True. then they fought through adversity together. So, yeah, so that was Enya. And one that I thought was going to have a bigger role but didn't was anyone in the dining car. <laughs> Just oh, any- the poor dining car. <laughs> anyone in there. Do you have uh, any names for anyone in the dining car? Did you uh, even create a name? I, th- for I had one. I had a pastry chef called Patrice. Can I jump on Minamoy's question and ask a follow-up based on uh, that? Yes. To you, Stu. Oh, um, gosh. Okay. Was Cassius Flash always Brandy's uncle? No. Making Cassius Flash Brandy's uncle was tied into, at the end of the arc, realising that certain storylines were coalescing. Theo's and Kenny's storylines and the chasing of the 
the King's Rock and Poker Powers and that storyline was really coming together and, and finding itself as a, a, a direction in the campaign. And I kind of saw Brandy getting a little, a little bit left behind and I thought, well, maybe I could use Cassius here as, as a way to sort of keep Brandy invested in that side of the story which is where I came up with the whole idea of the Celia backstory and Leo and this, this poker power element being in Brandy's family at some point and tying that into this absent father figure who we hadn't defined yet. But I didn't want Cassius to be the father, so Uncle felt like the most natural fit. Let's just go. Let's just go, Jen. Jenny, Jen, Jen. This one is from Lady Kate. What has surprised you most about listener reactions? What has surprised you most about listener reactions? Let's go, David. What do you think has surprised you most? Um. So I, I feel like it's interesting when you do something in this room and you don't necessarily room virtual space and um. We often we often do react very intensely to great decisions that we make, but often it's more of a kind of oh, what a good narrative choice rather than kind of like a, an emotive response because we're all kind of in the moment. Um, and so I knew that giving Swadloo the name Hillary was something that felt right when we did it, but actually hearing the response from fans was something that it was a surprise, but it was like a really pleasant surprise. It was like it, at that point it just felt like a nice shrewd wrapping up of a plot line but then to actually hear people be like emotionally engaged i think actually in that regard what surprised me most was the response to hillary's death in the podcast because that mm. I, to after mm. that was just like a choice like that was just sophie's choice in that scene of like do we choose which of the church elders do we murder in this moment <laughs> so when people were connected to that that was actually very pleasing because it meant that what to us felt like a narrative thread of going swadloon is now a mem like a memory of this character had added weight than I think even we considered it would because we didn't know that people would have connected to that Hillary death as much mm. as we saw. That's, yeah, that's that's definitely been surprising, Ali. I think the level of engagement has has delighted me in a surprising way. Um, the fan art, the patrons, all all of that really. Um, the community on the Discord. I know this is niche. I know it's niche, but sometimes it doesn't feel niche. Sometimes it feels very important to other people. Stu, yeah. is this like in general, or is this? It's in, in the general section, Stu. So what do you think? <laughs> I think I think I've been schooled. <laughs> um, absolutely. What what surprised me is how passionate the the reactions are when I see someone reacting to a moment in an episode and seeing gifs being posted, memes being posted. It's kind of tied to what David said, but people having emotional reactions to finding things incredibly funny or shocking or cursed or weird, just all these things, again, to borrow from Ali, delights me in a way that it's, a, it's, a, it's like reliving the episode again, having played mm. it, having listened to it in the edit, and then you get yeah, to see time. people react to it. It's like a third wave, uh, which is really, really cool. I think for me, what's been surprising for me is how all of our listeners seem to be incredibly open for their midsection characters to be used and discarded 
and, and <laughs> mocked and um, sort of played around with. Everyone's so free with their own creativity, which is so nice because you you know we we want to be very careful with people's ideas and people's a lot of the time original characters that they've created and often play in their own games and um but we you know we still like to hold on to the license to be creative and to change the character and basically almost work with the listener in you know take their email as a base and then create our own character so it's sort of worked together so we've got this sort of new amalgamation of, of what the character is and a lot of the times it's silly it's very very silly what we come up with and the plot line that we come up with and the character suddenly completely changed from what was originally suggested but is always seemingly embraced by the original suggestor suggester and the people um, who react to the episode as well so I'm always surprised by how generous people are with their their suggestions and how mm. much they are happy for us to um, have a good time and you know hopefully create some great memorable characters who we probably will never see again but we will try we will desperately try and fit them in I'll go for in-game. In-game. Ali, are there any botanical gardens, like Kew Gardens, in Formia? Has Kenny visited them? And does he like to be... Does he like going to be around plants? This is from Jeremy. <laughs> this is, I would say, so in-game. This is such an in-game <laughs> oh, question God. right now. Not really related to anything, but it's very much in the world. Tell me, Ali, about the Kew Gardens of... Cube gardens. Do you mean the Cubone Gardens of Formia, Tom? I think I think Jerembi does mean the Cubone Gardens of Formia, <laughs> where uh, everything is. Um, all the plants have mysterious uh, mysterious leaves dead that mums. look like helmets. Dead mums. Yeah, I, I I think so. I think maybe just Kenny. Lots of, of oddish just crying, going. Please don't talk to me about it. <laughs> I'm not over it yet. I'm not over it yet. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I, I do like, I like the idea of there being this sort of botanical garden um, place that maybe maybe Kenny's been on like, went on holiday as a young kid and then just kept asking mum and his mum and dad to go back there. Kenny feels at home around plants because I, don't, I think he just feels very, well, he doesn't feel judged by, by nature in the same way that he does and doesn't feel um, like he's a danger in the same way that he is. Yeah. Do you think maybe that if this was a big botanical garden, there was some kind of uh, either vegetable growing competition or flower growing, com- like if your parents had a farm, that they would go to compete or something, that Kenny was part of that competition and there was sort of like, maybe is, is there a botany rival that we don't even know about? Oh my God, yes. I love all of that, Stu. That's a great idea. <laughs> like a giant marrow. I just, Kenny, wait, Kenny, <laughs> Kenny grew a giant zucchini. And that's what got Grinch started on Zucchini Corner. Oh my God! It's the Grinch, Grinch Kenny's <laughs> secret <laughs> botany yes! rival. Yes. <laughs> zucchini Corner. Zucchini oh, Corner. Zucchini eh? Corner. One day I'll grow a zucchini as big as that boy. One day. <laughs> when 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 Stu, me, and David can't make a podcast session one time, I I hope that Ali would take the time to record a Grinch meeting Kenny and discussing zucchinis. Hello, I'm talking like this. Oh, now I'm talking like this. I think <laughs> your housemates mean... would 100% section you. I think they would call the police <laughs> if they Does overheard that... that. 
if anyone is wondering what a zucchini corner is or hasn't listened to the Christmas special, uh, Freezy Frost, there is a Christmas special called Freezy Frost and a Christmas Patreon special uh, that <laughs> features the Grinch as a character. So go go listen to them if you're feeling totally confused right now. Who obviously has a radio show and part of that radio show is a bit called Zucchini Corner. I mean, Zucchini Corner. I think, Ali, I think that was implied. <laughs> you don't need to. You don't need to question that. <laughs> Right, my turn to pick a category, and I am going to go with... I'm going to go with a general, and I'm going to say... I'm going to ask everyone. This is from Smam. Thank you, Smam. Smam writes, How much closer would you say your characters are to completing their goals? Ooh. Shall I start? Sure. As I feel like I never start, because I... Which is unfair because it gives me more time to think about it as I'm doing now. You think this is all some kind of improv, but really, no, I'm just <laughs> keeping the cogs turning for my own answer, which I will give. My answer is, Smam, that. <laughs> I thought that was the answer. My answer is Brandy, Smam. Brandy is extremely close to her completing um, her goal. I think mainly because that last episode, well, the second to last episode where she confronted Gary and Wimpy made the choice to go with her as opposed to going with Gary felt like a really huge character moment for Brandy. That felt very much like a vindication of of her journey and her abilities, really, that Wimpy would choose to continue on the journey with her rather than go with the Pokemon champion. So that felt like a huge goal sort of ticked off, really, for, for Brandy. But unfortunately for Brandy, there's the goalposts have changed as she now has found out the news that her dad is a Celio. So her sort of ultimate goal sort of now feels very much to have shifted to more in line with Kenny and Theo's goals, which is nice for the podcast and definitely nice for me that I can not have to worry about trying to either crowbar in a gym (laughs) in the middle of nowhere in this ancient forest. It's like, oh, Stu, there doesn't have to be a gym that I could collect a badge to because I am trying to be the Pokemon champion. So it would be good if there was some form of gym badge equivalent. I'm not saying she won't no, continue. On I was going to say, I'd be journey. sad if, if, if Brandy gave up that, that dream entirely because I think there's a lot of payoff still to have there with, with Gary Smoke being reinstated and, you know, uh, Bash and Heron out there challenging as well. And I don't, think, I don't think she will, but it feels nice that she doesn't have to think because sometimes Brandy, you know, in character thinks... There's no real point to doing this or she doesn't understand this weird, these tomes, this poker powder. It's not her world. And she sometimes very much feels like an outsider in that world. But now that she feels directly linked to it, she's going to be able to take more of an interest and know, you know, there's a lot more stakes for her. So mm. we'll want to take more of an interest, which is going to be nice to actually explore in the next series. Well, kind of think all three of our characters are um, now vying for the same thing as to kind of alluded to earlier so i suspect mine and david's answer is very similar we both want to find the king's rock because we think there's answers there and so obviously finding the second of three tones means we both i do think feels closer i think a bit like brandy i think kenny's um reasons have changed a little bit i don't think he now wants to necessarily he always wants to control his powers but i think now he's a bit more inclined as to how he can control them to sort of help people rather than just help himself and i think meeting other poker powered people was really sort of 
into Kenny in that way. How do you think seeing future Kenny has affected Kenny's goals and or his or or has it or is Kenny kind of compartmentalizing that? Well, I think Kenny has kind of assumed that in order to to do that at some point in his life he's going to have mastery of these powers. Now we were quite clever in that we never actually decided how far in the future this was. No. <laughs> this could be next year Kenny for all we know or it could be it could have been an old an old man an old weasened Kenny with a with a with a a stick and a maybe bent maybe back. it's just you just um, accidentally saw an old man. 19 year old Kenny. There was just an old man. Oh it's me. Oh, 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 <laughs> please stop looking at me. I'm very self-conscious. My name is <laughs> yeah, also it Kenny. Old... It's a common name. So I, I think I, more reassuring than than actually you might think. And David. Hmm. Yeah, I'm. I think Ali hit the nail on the head. That the the two tomes, um, in terms of like plot, if we se- if we separate the sort of difference between like plot driven and character driven, in terms of like the plot driven stuff, we're pretty. We're in a pretty good place. Two tomes, yeah. two seasons. We're, we're, it's almost like some of us have a pathological obsession with plot per episode. It's, it's astonishing. I wonder um, what's going to happen in season three. In terms of the um, the emotional arc of Theo, which I think is, is always a, a pleasant surprise whenever we go on that journey. I think Theo, at the end of season two, knows more about who they are than they've known at any other point and is also at the most emotionally vulnerable, I think, that they've been at any time. And I'm sure that... There's something that I think a lot of us can probably identify with, that the more you get to know the inside of yourself, often the more terrified you are of the things that lurk in the in the crevices of your own brain. And I think that we've all had a year where that's, for me at least, I've definitely spent a lot of time being like, oh, okay, haven't, haven't looked into that part of my psyche for a while because I've been too busy living my life. Um, which I think is very much the Theo dilemma. Right? I think that after two <laughs> seasons of living an actual life, Theo knows more about themselves but is the most just absolutely messed up Theo has ever been uh, as shown by trying to become a murderer at the end of season two which <laughs> so I think that that it's interesting that plot wise Theo is is skating ahead to the end game but in the process will Theo be completely destroyed by it and that for me is fascinating as a as a person playing them love it and Stu if you'd like to go through all the mm. NPCs and let us know how close to their every goals they single are. one so I guess we start with Whiskey. Yeah, whiskey was the first one. Probably then a couple of acolytes. Then we go Mr. E. Oh, so we're going back rain dance. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, whiskey. <laughs> How's the dead acolyte coming along? <laughs> uh, very close to their <laughs> ultimate destiny, I guess. who asks it's a sort of second half your question Jerembe is that we covered the first half with that Um, the second half is how has the bond between the characters developed this series because personally I would say that Brandy is significantly deepened with both Kenny and Theo Theo because Brandy has sort of felt like Theo was invulnerable and then seeing Theo have a moment of seemingly a, a breakdown effectively really struck home to her that actually you know Theo is a human being Theo does have emotions even though they try to hide it a lot of the time it's nice for her to feel like Theo does did listen to her in that moment which was really I think important for her to feel to feel like she was able to help and I think 
is going to be more willing in the future to accept help from Theo at the same time. And then in mm. terms of bond with Kenny, I think seeing the treatment of poker-powered people generally in this arc has been a bit of an eye-opener for her. You know, she's a lot of the time treating poker-powered people in the same way that she treats Kenny, which is very much just friend. It's a way in which... It's an illness currently for Brandy that Kenny deals with and shouldn't be judged for. And so I think this arc where there people have had some very horrific reactions to people with poker powers or attempting to use people with poker powers in such a way, I think it's going to make her and makes her feel a lot more protective towards Kenny and probably a lot more empathetic towards how Kenny has to exist in, in the world and how the kind of prejudice that Kenny has to suffer through. This is somewhat not really answering the question, but actually I, I, I think... Kenny's biggest sort of character growth lay outside of the main trio and was 100% Melissa. Where she started the arc to where she finished it was probably the most significant thing that's happened to Kenny in this that whole, was, arc, I, I, I in this whole story. Introducing Melissa, seeing Ali's face go from like absolute horror to having Kenny go like, oh my God. I think one of the first things you said was, I, thought, I just want to go give her a hug, but I can't. And then having everything go on, go on, go mm. on. Have her be mad at him at times. Have him be frustrated that she can't understand. Have this tension. And then this reconciliation at the end where they just hug each other and say, I love you. And I just think, I thought it was really lovely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it genuinely was. As a trio, Kenny relo- like knows he can trust these two implicitly. They rely on each other. The conversation that the three of them had in the bowling alley at the end was one of the most like frank times that we've had oh yeah as a as a trio where we actually had it got a bit heated at, at points and I, th- I i don't think he would have done that without the relationship with melissa without sort of having someone be angry at him but actually still love him or maybe kenny didn't really realize that the two could be so closely linked i don't think um brandy's relationship with melissa developed much over the arc i'd say that was a that was probably a bond that was almost almost gonna happen and then didn't really I think the extent to which you guys chatted was you just twice going, "Oh, Melissa, <laughs> David, um, how did you, I... how did your bond develop with Melissa?" <laughs> I think what's been fascinating is that I think in arc one, because we were all thrown together by kind of somewhat arbitrary circumstances, obviously brilliant circumstances, but arbitrary circumstances, we kind of just all had to like melange along and figure it out. And I think you're right that bowling alley conversation is such an important moment because it shows that we actually are not always necessarily aligned on every point and most of the time we've kind of been forced to align because we are the underdogs and therefore to even get anywhere close to taking on the enemy we have to sort of all agree on the same point but it's showing that there are actual ideological differences between the three of us but in terms of like Theo's relationship with two individuals um, Theo not being very good at having relationships with individuals at all um, I think season two's been great for that and I think we're at that good point now where like the jokes are no longer overly familiar like between them as people like I think that there's we all have in jokes with each other that are born out of knowing each other really well and they're not sort of poking 
my favorite part in Friends is like the seasons after Chandler and Monica get together where you have those years where there's loads of in jokes between everybody but nobody's mean to each other and then sort of by the end of the show it all gets a little bit mean but for like three or four seasons everybody just re- is actually just really familiar and just really in each other's pockets mm. and they know how each of those people are going to react and that's where the comedy comes and I think that's what um, is really notable about our friendship now as three characters is that we're now at that point where like we'll make jokes about the screaming pillow or we'll make jokes about Kenny being overly trusting or we'll make jokes about Theo being an emotionless cyborg and all of those jokes are now understood they're not they're not triggers for anybody everybody is just kind of like these are who we are we have roles in this friendship and I think that's a really beautiful natural place for us to be Blue screen and a full blue screen. <laughs> oh, David, you're the host. David's now. the host now. <laughs> well, well, well. Oh, the turntables. <laughs> Finally, some responsibility up in here. <laughs> okay, Tom's uh, Tom's laptop has crashed, and uh, and it's just us three now. It's just me, Ali, and David. It's it's questionable whether Tom will ever join us again. To be honest, so he says so he says his laptop crashed, Ali. But maybe this is his exit strategy. Maybe this was it. Well, do you know what, Stu? He started this. Saying, you know, who's going to rank rank our questions? One of us will be kicked out of the pod if they weren't oh, good enough. Turns out did. Tom's questions weren't good enough. Oh my! This it was fate. Tom's fate answers, decided rather. that Tom was the weakest, and he has been booted. <laughs> well, you really tried to back that plot line in, and it really was worthless. I tell you what, guys, that's what happens when you leave the potential leaving of your primary Pokemon up to a dice roll. That's that's how yeah, that's how the that world gets you back. This was part one of our two-part reflex, so look forward to the second part of this Q&A session coming two weeks from now. I hope you enjoyed. hope you got something interesting out of it or just whiled away a lunch break somewhere. We loved spending time with you. And, yeah, I hope you're really excited for season three, which will be coming a matter of weeks from whenever this comes out. But until that point, it's, it's, it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from <laughs> King's goodbye College, from Cambridge. Me. It's goodbye <laughs> from St. Anne's. Goodbye. <laughs> and it's goodbye from me. Good night. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were going for the two Ronnies or the University Challenge. I became I University. Really, yeah. It yeah. really ages all of us. In that situation. <laughs>